my goal is to not have people actually land on my homepage. I want people to land on those product pages because they're a lot closer to check out when they're there than they are when they're landing on my homepage. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we are dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And I'm your host, Annette Grant. And we believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you are struggling to scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. And let's get on with the show. On this episode of Honest E-Commerce, we welcome Tracy Wallace, the founder and CEO of Doris Sleep, a sustainable bed pillow company. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Honest E-Commerce. I'm sitting here next to Annette Grant in Columbus, Ohio. And today, we welcome another founder to the show, Tracy Wallace, coming to us from awesome weird Austin, Texas. Welcome to the show, Tracy. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Awesome. So you've got a really unique journey. So you went from big commerce and then pivoted out from there to now owning your own brand and being the CEO and founder of Doris Sleep. So you know, I'm sure that there was a big process there, but kind of walk us through that journey. Sure. So I worked over at Big Commerce and really in in the technology industry. I worked in the technology industry for 10 years over at Big Commerce for about four and a half of that. And I was their global editor in chief. So running um, all content, website content, case study content, blog content, white paper content. If there was a word or a video, I probably had something, if not almost everything to do with it. And a lot of the reason why I why I really ever took the job, I guess four and a half years ago, was um, my my grandfather started a uh, business back in 1956. He had come back from the war and college, and was at least as the lore go- goes that I'm told, he was walking down a back street of East Texas, found um, an old broken down cotton gin. And went back with his pickup truck later, picked it up, fixed it up, and started a cotton company. Uh, today, that cotton company still exists. It's also expanded to a pillow company. Um, and it is just the, the family business that I've grown up on. I mean, it's paid for you know my college, for the roof over my head. It's given my mom and my aunts and my brother and my cousins all jobs. It was my first job working out in the very hot Texas Heat, putting cotton through a picker, which is not fun, but very character building, um, <laughs> which is great. So I kind of always wanted to one start my own thing, but two, I wanted to educate other people on how to on how to build something that wasn't just you know a, a kind of one hit wonder, something that would actually build a legacy for them that would have their granddaughter in the future telling an old lore story that may or may not be as romantic as I might make it sound. And a big part of that was really diving into the platform, really educating people on exactly how to use it, as well as how not to fall for some get-rich-quick schemes, essentially, how how, how to really build real brands. And about three and a half years into that process, I was like, all right, I need to stop telling people how to do this. I, I and I was very honest with people. I, I, I've spoken at a lot of events, written a bunch of books. And I was very honest about, hey, 
I don't do this. I like this is this is not my world. I don't do this. I just interview and talk to the people who do. So all of my advice, everything that I'm talking to you about comes to you through the lens of these are the most helpful tips that I've curated by talking to and interviewing people who are making you know more than 10 million in annual revenue through an online store. Uh, and a lot of people were typically really cool and chill with that. And for me, I just wanted to become a practitioner. That's great. So wait, weren't those 10 million plus dropshippers? Like a lot of them you interviewed. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, Chase and I talk about that a lot on the show. Of, yeah, uh, I, building a brand. Iris, you, yeah. you you mentioned a few things there. Is building a real company, building an actual brand, and just being honest about it. I think anytime people put on a front and like try to present their business as something bigger than it is, you can almost see right through it. Right. Right. Well, and I mean, it's 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 being honest about it. It's also being honest um, about how hard it is. So when I first joined BigCommerce, I found that a lot of the uh, educational material out there for business owners or startups, small small business owners trying to start start online stores um, was really gimmicky um, Mm -hmm. and wasn't super honest about truly how hard it is. Like There are peaks and there are valleys and there's probably a whole lot more valleys than there are peaks. and so I, I wanted to be really clear with the folks that I was writing blog content for, books for, that, hey, there will be times that you want to give up. Listen to these people who have gone through it. Here's how you get your finances in order. Here's how not to be wooed by the next big Facebook release of something or whatever it might be. Re- really, really trying to help people understand one or both that this is hard, uh, but two, it's rewarding. You are... One of my favorite guests so far. I th- thank you so much. Because all right, so if I if I kind of I'm going to be honest now too. That's probably my least favorite thing about Shopify is some of they don't do it purposely or they'd get sued. But there is almost a underbelly of get rich quick schemes on the internet where people find the platform, think that they're going to be an internet millionaire, put five dollars behind Facebook ads to make five million. It's I hate that. It's untrue and it it produces this weird, uh, you know collection of almost like I'll sell you a get rich quick scheme course to help you get rich by selling courses of other get rich quick schemes like I hate it no I mean god man I I get so irritated every time I see people launch online courses about like the like how to do it the xyz thing I did to get to the point where I am now making 1 million a year and I'm like oh my god like you are the like 0.00001% of people that that's ever going to work for. And on top of that, the reason it worked for you, person who's creating the course, is because you you were the only one that was doing it. Now, if you have 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 other people going and doing that exact same thing, it's not going to work for them the way that it worked for you. And it's a waste of their money. Yep. And this to kind of double down on that kind of like, this is how it worked for me. The one, especially with Facebook ads, they're like, I made you know two hundred fifty thousand dollars off this five grand ad, right? And you're like, that's crazy return. Like, yeah, but that's also probably the thousandth iteration of that ad, and they finally <laughs> hit that unicorn. No one talks about all the ones they did before that, <laughs> right? 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 Or how much money they lost? I mean, for for instance, so I I ran my first Facebook ad in January, um, and this is somebody like I again. I have been writing about everything e-commerce for a very long time, researching it, interviewing people. Like technically, I should I should know. T- technically, I should know how to do this. Um, and I launched Facebook ads uh, and then forgot to turn them off. And oh no. Ended up spending, oh no. Like, yeah, ended up spending an, an additional $500 that generated absolutely nothing, which 
I started the business late December. So that early on, that's a lot of money to be throwing at something that you are getting zero return on. Um, and I think that is a much more common story for people than the, I put money behind a Facebook ad and it's been incredibly successful. Also though, as of 2019, even 2018, there really was not... In 2016, maybe 2015 and 2016 and 2017, it was a whole lot more likely that you could put money behind a Facebook ad and see huge amounts of results versus now because everybody's doing it. It's, it's that same concept as the course that I was just talking about back then, 2015, 2016. Not all that many people were putting money behind Facebook ads. And as a result, the people who were putting money there truly could become millionaires. But we've, we've passed that point. That, that's just not the case anymore. Now you need to go out and find the other channels that work. Absolutely. So let's talk about you getting in this wild, wild world of e-commerce. Especially to me, I'm going to say it, I feel like the market, the, the product that you chose is extremely saturated and probably a difficult sale. So talk to us about deciding on the brand that, you, that you're running now and that transition from a full-time employee to entrepreneur. Sure. So yeah, it's, it's funny. I was a full-time employee when I launched Door Sleep, which Door Sleep is a sustainable bed pillow company. I was a full-time employee. I was also um, in the midst of planning my wedding, uh, which happened right before I launched the store. And then also in the midst of selling a condo and buying a home. I truly lost my mind, I think, the end of 2018. I don't know why I did all those things at once. But I did. And it's turned out very well, I think. But yeah, so I, I sell sustainable bed pillows online. The reason why I chose that product and, and that category may be different from a lot of uh, the folks listening is, as I mentioned earlier, my grandfather started a cotton company, which is now a cotton pillow company. It's a manufacturing company. And I, I knew I wanted to sell what they were making. Right um, mm-hmm. Now, they don't just make uh, sustainable bed pillows. Um, but I wanted to sell those. So went to my family, talked to them about it. Um, and I became an official customer of my own family's manufacturing company because uh, I'm lucky enough to, to have that connection, I suppose. And, and chose specifically the sustainable bed pillows. So sustainable, what I mean by that is it's recycled plastic bottle fiber. All of it made and produced in the US. So it's actually... plastic bottle fiber, plastic bottles that have been diverted from landfills in the United States. Um, They are then taken over to um, these two different warehouses in the Carolinas. They turn it into some super soft fiber for us. And then they ship it over to my family's warehouse uh, where they blow the pillows to the specifications that I've asked them to. And then I ship them out. So for me, choosing those pillows or choosing the pillows Really wasn't a you know super strategic. Okay, I'm gonna like double down. I'm gonna like figure out you know what's trending, what product to go after, and then find a manufacturer. Instead, no, I I had a manufacturer, uh, and then I chose products out of the lines that that they were offering. So that's that's really how how I got started there. The name Doris is my grandmother's name. Uh, it's the brand's red because she had red hair. The the manufacturing companies are named after my grandfather. So, you know, thought, hey, why not why not go in this direction? Hey, if you're in the product making business, then we've got great news for you. Katana is here to make your life easier. There's now a Shopify app built and designed for merchants that make their own products, manage your sales, orders, raw materials, production schedule, inventory, and material purchasing all from one dashboard. The name of that app is Katana. 
K-A-T-A-N-A. Katana is designed for makers, crafters, and small manufacturers selling on Shopify. Until now, product makers selling on e-commerce have had to settle with messy spreadsheets or regular inventory management software. We know they both usually suck if you need to make your own products. Fortunately, Katana is built from ground up with the needs of a small manufacturer in mind. Production scheduling and inventory management has never been this easy for Shopify merchants. A recent survey shows that 93% of Katana's users say they love it because of the ease of the setup and how intuitive it is. To try Katana for free, sign up at www.katanamrp.com. That's K-A-T-A-N-A-M-R-P.com. Or search Katana on the Shopify app store. There's a 14-day free trial. You do not need a credit card. And when you're signing up, use the promo code HONEST to get 30% off your first three months of a paid subscription. Check out Katana today. I have a question of something that you went over there. Do you actually ship the product out? You said you ship it, but I don't know if that's you or not. Well, so right now I'm using a 3PL. Cool. I'm using ShipBob okay. uh, based out of Dallas. So we'll ship them from uh, the Texas warehouse that my family owns up to the 3PL, though I have been having more and more conversations with my brother and my family, uh, really talking to them more and, and really educating them on kind of the e-commerce space in general. Um, because man, if I could save the freight from you know that warehouse to the other warehouse, and then those people shipping it out, that would be amazing. So talking to my family about, hey, like you guys, you could charge me for that extra floor space if you wanted to. Like my three PL is already doing that, and I save money on the shipping as long as you guys ship out stuff every day when it comes in. Um, and they already have folks that uh, one that they do that for. Um, so as a result, they they also have you know UPS and everybody else coming to them. So. I'm hoping that as soon as my uh, 3PL stuff, uh, kind of when the inventory runs out there, which only might have like 40 more pillows there, so it shouldn't be too long from now, I can shift it on over to just the, the family warehouse. Awesome. No, that's great. And did you start with a third-party logistics from the, the launch of your product? I did. I okay. did. Well, yes. So um, for a lot of reasons. One, I didn't want to... Pick, pack, ship the products myself. They're pillows. I truly live in a tiny house in Austin, Texas, so I don't have anywhere to put those things. And my family was telling me that they couldn't ship one-offs. They're they're a manufacturing company. They're like, we do bulk. I'm like, oh, let's talk more about this. Um, and so that conversation's going much better. But at the time, they were like, absolutely not. Uh, and then on top of that, my former boss from over at Big Commerce uh, had recently moved over to ShipHub. He's their CMO over there. I talked to him. While he was at BigCommerce, a lot about launching this company, he was actually really helpful and being like, "Dude, you keep talking about this. I just plain don't believe you're going to do it." And I was like, "All right, proving you wrong," uh, which is really how it it kind of got started. So he moved over to ShipBob, um, and I just chatted with him. He got me hooked up with uh, some of the great folks over there, and now I just know their teams really well, and they're they're great people. So I um, wanted to work with them. Awesome. So this is a really fresh new journey, right? We're launching late last year and you know, you're a business now, right? Yes. I'm what, a business now. <laughs> what all right, let's be honest with people. What's the biggest mistake you've made this year? Uh well I mean that that Facebook ad uh was was pretty bad. And then I did it again about two months later. Um, because I probably like everybody else listening, like you do get wooed and convinced by all the like little videos you see online or the <laughs> articles you run across about, okay, cool, like actually maybe if I do target this a little bit better, or like, I don't know, whatever you think, maybe my Facebook ads would work better. For me, I have, as a result of overspending about a thousand bucks on uh, Facebook ads that 
turned into absolutely nothing, um, have pulled completely out of Facebook. And I'm focusing um, really on community building, um, doing partnerships with a bunch of folks, really some more old school tactics, um, mostly because it's not as saturated. So printing out flyers, dropping them off at apartment places, kind of what what, uh, you were speaking to earlier in terms of the pillow market is super saturated. How do you stand out? For me, a big part of the standing out um, is really focusing my targeting on the folks in Texas, at least for right now, and putting some Texas branding around it, at least in print and and flyers and things that I'm getting out there and in some of the partnerships that I'm doing, uh, even looking at billboards because you can buy a billboard on I-10, which is one of the most trafficked uh, highways in the United States. You can buy a billboard on I-10 right outside of Beaumont, Texas, which is my hometown, uh, which Beaumont is right on the border of Texas and Louisiana. So you can buy it where people are coming in from Louisiana, driving into Texas. I can get a billboard there, you guys, for a thousand bucks a month, which is crazy because that's what I overspent on Facebook. <laughs> right. And it can say, welcome to the softer side of Texas and have my logo up there. And now I have a social media campaign that I can run and, and whatever. And, and even just, just test that out. You know, how, how much traffic is that actually driving? My wife currently is, is the big blocker there. She's like, please do not spend $1,000 on a billboard in like nowhere, Texas. I'm like, okay, uh, yeah. The story, <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to be on your side and say the story itself, like the content that you could produce around the billboard right? would be it's amazing. Cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, and, and I'll, I'm going to say you're the first person on our Honest E-Commerce <laughs> uh, podcast that said anything about a billboard. So we thank you <laughs> for that. So. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I think billboards are really important. I, um, especially because so many people are focusing and doubling down really hard on Paid acquisition channel. I mean, it billboards a paid acquisition channel as well, but Facebook paid acquisition. That man, it's just so saturated there. It's so hard, I think, for brands that aren't in like highly venture backed, right? I've I've even had venture folks or venture investors come to me asking if they can invest. And I'm like, no, not yet. Like, I don't want the money right now. I want, I want to do this my way. I also don't want to give up any ownership, which which is a big part of it as well. But so many brands out there are venture back. On top of that, a lot of a lot of the legacy brands are really getting into the game. All of those people can outspend you like every second. Like it's it's just it's not even it's just it's just like you don't have that scale. I don't have that scale. Maybe y'all do. Um, so as a result, I'm I'm trying to figure out okay, where aren't they spending money? Uh, I was chatting with a, a guy here in Austin not too long ago who is uh, super influential and helpful in getting uh, outdoor voices to the level and place that it's at now. And I was telling him my billboard idea. He's also for it. Um, and he, uh, he was giving me an example that you know here in Austin, one of the first things that Outdoor Voices did... So Outdoor Voices was located in New York City. Then they moved their headquarters down to Austin, Texas. One of the first things they did is there's this old rundown building on the site of Mopac, which is a busy, big highway here in Austin. That was right next to the like lake and the trail where like people go running and biking and all of that jazz. There's this old rundown building that happened to have attached to it a billboard that was like clearly viewable as you were going down that highway. And he said the first one of the first things they did was they bought that building, they painted it blue, and now they own that billboard and they can put anything up there that they want. And we, me and my wife, were riding our bikes the other day and we rode by it. And she was like, "Oh man, I didn't even know Outdoor Voices had this here. This is so cool." Da da da. And I'm like. That's what every single person driving by this thinks. And he was like, that billboard, he's like, clearly it's hard to 100% attribute it to it. He's like, but it was so influential and in making sure that Austinites knew that we were here 
and that we were doubling down on the city. And I'm like, man, like billboards work. Yes. So, no, that's, that's an interesting story. And everybody check out Outdoor Voices if you haven't. They are an amazing brand that's grown tremendously very fast. Yeah. So let's chat about... Because I know our listeners and myself included. Let's talk about big commerce. I'm I'm all I'm Shopify for life, so I want to, but I need to know what else is out there. So talk to us about big commerce and what you think. Um, you know, obviously you work for them, so you had some, you know, familiarity. But talk to us about the the pluses there that people might be interested in. Sure. So um, I think some of the so typically I've gone to a lot of shows. I've talked to a bunch of Shopify folks. Um, I've talked to people who've been on Shopify, social big commerce, big commerce, Shopify, so on and whatever. Almost every single person I talk to about their e-commerce platform compares it to a marriage, and they're like, "There are really good days and there are really bad days," and like, I, you know, like it's it's part of it, right? That said, I typically begin by by asking people kind of what products they're selling as well as what their familiarity is with with e-commerce, because what I find is that folks who are a lot newer to e-commerce um, and don't have any maybe technical e-commerce experience or um, are only selling a few products. Typically, uh, like and do better on Shopify, and that's because Shopify is a lot easier to get up and running and started. I mean, you like sign up and you can immediately begin processing payments, right? Like the way that they just like have the setup done, you're in. You're using Shopify Pay, right? Uh, BigCommerce isn't like that, and BigCommerce wasn't built for that. BigCommerce, their their kind of base target audience or the folks that they market to are folks who are already making at least 100K in annual online sales. And that's still pretty low, right? They're really looking for the folks who are making at least a million. And that's because that's when the platform is really going to be able to work incredibly well for you. Because unlike Shopify, where Shopify kind of uh, boxes you into... Shopify is just a very opinionated platform. And that's great if you're not incredibly familiar or if you don't have an opinion, right? Like, yeah, sure, I'll use Shopify, pay whatever. Large brands do have opinions. Uh, they don't want to necessarily use Shopify, Shopify Pay. They want to use whatever payment system they want, or they want to be able to build something off of uh, APIs, or they need those APIs to move incredibly quickly because they have some really old legacy ERP system that they need to pull information in and out of like, like almost real time. Those just aren't things that, that you can do on the Shopify side. For me, um, I guess like other than e-commerce experience, I only have a few products. Um, so that, I guess, would have put me in the, the Shopify camp. But a big reason why I went with BigCommerce was for the SEO cap- capabilities. Um, I just didn't want that slash collections in my, my URL structure. I also... Um, I, my background's in content marketing and SEO. A uh, big part of my strategy is content marketing and SEO, which means I need to be able to get in and mess with my robots text in order to make sure everything looks the way that I want it to. And I can't do that over on Shopify and I can over on BigCommerce. In fact, um, you asked what one of my biggest mistakes was and I didn't know this necessarily at the time. But um, I do very much regret looking back, launching on the BigCommerce platform rather than just using the BigCommerce checkout. I would have... If I could redo it, and honestly, I'd imagine that maybe end of this year, beginning of next, I'll move over to a WordPress presentation layer and use BigCommerce uh, for WordPress as my checkout. And again, for me, it is a, uh, a an SEO play, a content marketing and SEO play there. So I'll let everyone know, before I was all gung-ho about Shopify, I actually was a WordPress guy. <laughs> and I built a lot of WordPress sites and I f- miss 
the WordPress blogging platform so much compared yeah. to Shopify. It's night and day. But uh, with that being said, like I am helping people sell stuff, and Shopify is amazing at that. And I understand everything you were saying about the limitations of Shopify versus big commerce. There's like a thing that I see go around though a bit, and it's talking about like this headless. Uh, oh, yeah. CR uh, CMS or, or is that, am I saying that right? Could you kind of like yeah. explain that to our listeners and and heck even kind of myself? Annette's over here all wide eyed. She's like, oh, it's a term I haven't heard. Yeah, never, <laughs> never. Yeah, so headless commerce is what uh, I mean. A lot of people are, are are really banking on right right now. BigCommerce is not the only platform to be doubling down in headless commerce. Um, it's probably maybe the the only SaaS platform, but there are other player there are other players in the game like Elastic Path or Molten um, or Commerce Schools. I think the other one it's more popular over in Europe. Headless commerce is essentially the decoupling of the presentation layer from the actual platform itself, and that is because platforms like Big Commerce and Shopify aren't great at the blogging capabilities. They aren't fantastic always at the SEO. Stuff, which is a really like terrible way to talk about it as like an expert in SEO over here. Anyway, um, <laughs> they, they aren't necessarily very good at those things, uh, but a lot of CMS systems are. In fact, that's what they were built for. Um, on top of that, uh, CMS systems like you know WordPress or Drupal, or you can even think like um, what is it, Adobe Creative Experience? Or man, there's a, there's a bunch of them out there. Those platforms are built specifically, not only for SEO and content marketing, but they are built for true online experiences. And given what we are seeing uh, in terms of the rise of acquisition costs through paid social channels, as, as well as legacy brands really coming in with their own money, a big part, a big kind of piece of the puzzle that a lot of people are betting on is you have to provide a crazy cool online experience. You have to build out a very strong organic traffic or organic audience acquisition channel in order to actually be able to afford the paid acquisition stuff. Because the paid acquisition stuff is just at this point, it's rent, right? You, you have to pay it. It's kind of part of being online. But how do you offset that? How, how do you continue to, to grow your base? A lot of people are really betting on online experiences and that content marketing side, content marketing and SEO. And e-commerce platforms like BigCommerce and Shopify just plain don't do those things incredibly well, at least to the level of differentiation, right? They're, they're really great at getting you up and running uh, and, and being able to help check you out. But that checkout functionality, which does PCI compliance and fraud management and you know, connects with PayPal or Shopify Pay or like what, whatever you want, that, that can actually be decoupled and it can be decoupled through APIs. So, so even when I talk about wanting to use WordPress as my presentation layer, I'm talking about wanting to move to a headless commerce model where WordPress is where I send all of my traffic and I'm just plugging in BigCommerce as the checkout solution, which would use the exact same URL structure. Nobody would know that they're being taken to a different platform. What it provides me though is the PCI compliance, the fraud management and the easy payment integration so that I don't have to go like, install a WooCommerce instance, which is just really painful. Yes. I would strongly recommend not using WooCommerce, period. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of information though, y'all. I, 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 there's a lot of good content out there on Headless Commerce. Um, I, I can send you guys some, some links to maybe in, include with this podcast, but that's, that's kind of the, the gist of it. And you're you're really seeing a, a lot more brands move in that direction, in particular, kind of at the more legacy brand 
uh, on the more legacy brand side. It's like I know, I believe Harvard's doing some stuff with it, PNG, brands like that. But it's it's one. I guess it's not really newer technology, but it's becoming more and more known. And as we all know, as things become more more known and more used, often the price drops. Which again, I mean, even big commerce, you know, building out an app for for WordPress, which gives you that like enterprise e-commerce checkout capability, but you know, with an easy plugin and actually offering a solution other than WooCommerce, because so many people dislike WooCommerce, like that. that that's huge, right? And that's super, super cost effective. Um, definitely worth checking out, especially if your brand is uh, one that really thinks that content is first, that content is the most important, and that the sell is is the second part, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and honestly, I would encourage as many people as possible to think of it that way because it's super important to build community right now uh, in in order to offset those paid acquisition costs. Support for our podcast comes from our friends at Simpler, a new way to staff 24-7 sales and customer service on your e-commerce store. It works with your existing email and chat platforms, so setup is quick and easy. Simpler's network of on-demand, US-based Simpler specialists are standing by to answer your customers' most common questions. Set it up for free today and then turn it on or off depending on your customer volume. You only pay $2.25 for every resolution. No hidden fees, contracts, or minimums. Close more sales with Simpler by staffing your email and live chat around the clock with Simpler Specialist. Start your free seven-day trial at simpler.ai slash honest. That's S-I-M-P-L-R dot A-I slash honest. You mentioned a lot of really, really cool and interesting stuff there. You might want to go back and re-listen to all of that, all of our listeners there. So you mentioned a lot about content is your strategy. Let's get into that. Talk to us about... Well, two things, I guess. What is your not like your content strategy by play by play, but like what are the things that you considered with building yours? And then also, what should our listeners be thinking of if they're approaching their content strategy for the first time? What are the things they need to keep in mind? Sure. So, in building out the Door Sleep website, one, I my my goal with Door Sleep is uh, to rank as highly as possible for my three main key products. For their keywords, so that's thin pillow, bed pillow, and thick pillow. In order to do that, uh, I made sure that those landing—they're they're not landing pages, product pages, uh, which are essentially landing pages—but I made sure that those product pages are the absolute best uh, pieces of content according to Google or according to the tools that I have, uh, which I use—you know, Market Muse, Clearbit, Ahrefs, uh, SEO Research in general. I made sure that those product pages have some of the best information on those topics as possible. So there's a description, a product description for sure, and price. But then it uh, goes into, you know, there's uh, like little graphics for like, you know, the qualities of it. It goes into uh, three specific sections about the actual benefits of it. Um, talks about the benefits of recycled plastic water bottle use. Uh, talks about the return policy. Has FAQs on there, and then also has like those recurring reviews. I'm sure. Oh, there, there's like gifs on each one showing the actual compression. What my goal with that page is: one, it's long. It has a bunch of content, but that's because Google tends to rank things that are at least like a thousand words higher than other pieces of content, which likely has something to do with the amount of time that people actually stay on those pages. Two. 
my goal is to not have people actually land on my homepage. I want people to land on those product pages because they're a lot closer to check out when they're there than they are when they're landing on my homepage. So on that landing page, on that product page, I need to explain the product, yes. But I also need to be sure to explain the brand. So, you know, I have you know, parts of the story in there. I have, you know, I retell things that were maybe told on the homepage in there. I have videos on there. All of that is in an effort to keep someone on the page, but also in an effort to make sure that I'm ranking really, really well for those pages. So right now, um, even actually within the first like month and a half that I launched, my pages were already and are already ranking on page two of Google for those key terms. And I'm a brand new brand. I, I launched in December and I'm already really high. The only reason I'm not on page one is my own dang fault. Um, I just need to go out and get some backlinks, which mostly means doing some uh, guest blogging on related like home sites, right? And I and I, I reached out to a few folks. I just actually need to write those pieces of content right now. I've gone through, and because I'm a writer online, I've gotten door sleep added to a bunch of my bio stuff. Um, I have other friends who are writers; they'll link over to me sometimes. That said, almost all those links are coming from technology companies, which is great because they have really high domain ranking and rating. But it's is so that that's gotten me to page two. But I'm sure Google is looking through all of those links and they're like, okay, cool. This site's clearly trusted. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Top of page two, top of page two. Weird. Nothing from a home site is linking to this pillow site. <laughs> Um, so anyways, I need to go through and get some links for that. And then that'll shoot up. Other than that, another part of my content strategy is just continuing to build out um, my blog content. Right now, I have two pieces up over there. One is a really, really in-depth piece that um, talks through um, pillow and mattress uh, materials. Um, really trying to educate people on sustainable versus non-sustainable materials. Um, in particular, uh, why foam is so bad because foam is really the most used product in um, mattresses and pillows. And it's really, really awful for uh, 600 reasons um, that I won't necessarily go to go into here. Awesome. That I SEO, the strategy behind that, getting backlinks, that's really top of mind for me because I've been thinking about it for our agency <laughs> a lot lately. Right. No, yeah. It's, it's super important. Um, and it's, it's hard to get backlinks. One of the best ways to get backlinks is uh, guest blogging. But what I've found to be the absolute best way to get backlinks is by knowing people. Um, so a lot of it is truly just uh, networking, getting to know people. It was um, really a big part of my my role over at Big Commerce. Um, was every single week I would make sure that I was going and getting coffee with somebody in the industry that I did not think would say yes to going and getting coffee with me. Um, and I'd go and get coffee and just chat with them. And then I I have this uh, monthly list of about 117 people, all of whom I know, all of whom I've gotten coffee with, all of whom I've met personally, all of whom I keep up with, that I email every single month with, you know, like, what's your number one tip on SEO? Or what's your number one tip on whatever it might be? And those folks are able to put uh, what their answers to those questions are. Um, I have on there, you know, what websites that that, that might show up on. Um, and then the best answers get pulled into those websites. And then I let those people know when that article is published. Um, and it's just a really good way, at least for me, one, to stay in touch with all of those people because a lot of them will message back, you know, I'm in Austin, let's grab coffee, whatever it is. Um, and the answer is always yes, absolutely. Um, and then two, um, it's me just constantly providing uh, value back to, you know, my, my network, which makes it easy then 
when I'm like, hey, I just launched a business. Can you please go and link this in you know all of these relevant places and pages on your site? The answer is almost always yes. Um, so if you were listening and you were wondering how to make things incredibly easier for yourself or so much easier for yourself, building a network is 100% in it and making sure that you are providing as much value to that network as possible on a regular basis rather than asking for anything and only asking for things when when it's super important and also easy. Giving back is pretty easy. Yeah. I mean, genuine human connection is the number one way to do business. Uh, I can't tell you how many times people reach out to our agency or the podcast and they ask, 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 and they never want to like give any value to us. That's the wrong way to build a partnership. That's the wrong way to build a connection. You need to go to somebody and try to give them value first. Right, 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 right. And a lot of times that value is like truly just talking to somebody. Like I, I, I give this advice a lot. So it was my former boss, who's now over the CMO over at ShipBob, who when he joined the company, told me and my my coworker, my my colleague, he was like, I want you guys to go do this. Like I want y'all to get better at networking, at having these coffee dates. Um, and I was super reluctant to do it. I come from you know small town East Texas where. I was taught that if you work hard and are nice to people, that you will succeed, right? Um, and I just kind of always, in my gut, for better or worse, really hated this idea of this like old boys club or any kind of club, like anything where the entry was who you know. I was like, that's just that's so this bullshit. Like it's just messed up. Like a lot of these people may or may not have worked for like what they've gotten. Like why is network the thing? Like truly, it used to very, very much upset me. And then I started going and talking to all these people and me, I'm also an introvert. So like, that was my other thing. I was like, I don't want to do any of this at all because I hate talking to people, which isn't always true. Um, But I started doing it. um, And at first it really sucked. um, And I really hated doing it. Uh, And then over time I got better. And the next thing I know, because I'm talking to all these people, meeting all these people, I'm getting introduced to other people. Right. And and one of the really big important parts of going and meeting up with these people and talking to these people is not to show up there with any kind of agenda. It's truly a, hey, like I think the work you're doing is really cool. How the heck did you get here? Do you like it? How do you do it? Like, like is there anything you want it to be doing? Like, awesome, cool. Here's what I do. Let me know if I can help you anytime in the future, or if you're ever in Austin, or if you're ever in San Francisco, or wherever you are. Let's hang out. And next thing you know. Half those people that you end up meeting are at a conference that you're at, or I don't know, doing podcasts that you're able to get on, or hosting conferences, and they're inviting you to come speak. Like it is truly the way things work. People like working with their friends, and they like working with people who they view as hustlers um, in the good way. Somebody who hustles, <laughs> like somebody who hustles you. And one of the best ways to appear to be that kind of person um, beyond following through on your word is to make sure that you are showing up that you are actually giving people a little bit of your time, which ultimately is the most precious resource that you can give anyone. Absolutely. And I think that going back to that old adage of like, you know, working hard and doing good work is going to get you ahead in life. That used to be true, I think. But now it's people are working hard and doing amazing work and networking harder than you. And that's why they're getting ahead faster. Because yeah. it's, it's insane. The Just even on my side as an agency owner, the brands that we work with that are like, you know, brands people would probably be dream clients of, of other people. And it's those people hardly end up on our website through the content we're putting out. It's usually an introduction. It's usually from meeting somebody. It's usually from our network. Right, right, right. You have to do both good work consistently 
and you need to be out there meeting people. And I'm telling you guys, it really can be as easy as making sure every single week at like, and, and maybe in the same way, maybe you have like a, every week you publish a blog post. Cool. Also every week, you or everyone on your team needs to be reaching out to somebody that you don't think will say yes to grabbing coffee with you. And even if you're in the middle of nowhere, make it like a Skype coffee date or a Google Hangouts coffee date, whatever it is, and hop on the phone with people and make sure that that is happening every single week. It's going to suck at first if you're not used to doing it. But truly over time, you get so much better at it. It, it really helps you talk to people. It also like helps you hone in um, your kind of introductory skills and truly getting to know what other people do, why they do it the way that they do it. I don't know. It, it, it opens up a lot of doors. It's, it's truly been one of the, the biggest uh, kind of career bumps and boosters for me, for sure. Awesome. And then me and Annette are huge uh, proponents of going to meetups. Like we host the one yeah. here in Columbus, the Shopify meetup. We also help out with the Columbus e-commerce meetup. Like you can meet amazing people there. Uh, we just had on last week uh, our buddy Shibo from Refersion. He met his business partner at a meetup. So yeah, it's amazing just putting yourself out there and just talking to people will do for you. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Being just a little bit vulnerable pays dividends. I'll also say some of the best connections that I've made it ha- have been not necessarily talking about e-commerce, but talking about religion and politics and taxes and death. Um, all the things you're told not to talk about. Uh, but those, those are the ways that you build real friends. Like that, but like that's the actual goal. You actually want to be friends with these people. How, how can you make that happen? How, how can you introduce yourself in a way that's relevant? Talk to them in a way that's relevant and, and build real contacts. Again, not everyone's going to become like your closest friends. Some of them will just remain contacts. But a lot of them will actually become friends. And it's super cool. Absolutely. Well, I, we can't thank you enough for, for joining us today. There's so much awesome stuff out of this one. Uh, is there anything else that you want to leave with our audience? Um, anything else that I want to leave or, with you? Where, I mean, can they, where can they find you and your product and your, oh, your yeah. writing? Well, Doris Sleep is the website. So D-O-R-I-S-S-L-E-E-P.com. Um, and then Doris Sleep uh, is the Twitter handle as well as the Instagram handle. And then for myself, you can find me at Tracewall on Twitter um, as well as on Instagram. And that's about it. And we'll link to all of that also for our listeners Perfect. so they can follow along. Awesome. Well, thank you so much and uh, get out there and network, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> thank y'all so much. It was, it was so great being here. We can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing the truth. Links and more will be available in the show notes. If you found any actionable advice in this podcast that you'd like to apply to your business, please reach out at electriceye.io slash connect. Please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. 